0: Welcome to the Nehemiah Entrepreneurship Community Podcast. I'm your host, Patrice Sage. Here with me in studio is a good friend of mine, longtime friend, Mr. The Legend, Chuck Prophet.
1: It's What's great right? to, to be here, Patrice. Thank you for that warm introduction.
0: Oftentimes, people say, is it prophet or is it prophet?
1: <laughs> or is it profit?
0: <laughs> oh, is it prophet? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So either way, it's either the money or seeing the future. Either way, my friend, you do both. Well, you know, I just a few highlights about Chuck. Chuck is founder and president of an organization called Adwork on Purpose in Cincinnati. Uh, once, I'm not sure if they are still now. Probably is uh, they were deemed as the largest marketplace movement in a in a particular city in the in a single city in the United States of America. They've made a huge impact in Cincinnati, Columbus, Ohio. And they've also uh, been able to take their model in other places around the country, uh, and even around the world. Uh, Chuck has traveled with us to Kenya. Uh, He's had also an impact in in France with our partner there. Uh, Chuck also has a a for-profit company called SkillSource. Uh, That is his tent making. Uh, So he's he's both, he's a a bipreneur. Um, Chuck uh, also uh, has authored a book alongside his pastor. Uh, this is unique uh, because him and his pastor came together and co-authored a book called Business Street, uh, Transforming Lives Through Enterprise, where uh, they're in that book, uh, they both kind of share kind of a, a combined story of how a marketplace guy and a pulpit pastor uh, I say pulpit pastor because Chuck also is a pastor. You know, pa- pastors is broader than just a pulpit, right? He just happened to be a marketplace guy. So a pulpit pastor and a marketplace pastor coming together and demonstrating a unique partnership, which, by the way, uh, Chuck, I'm walking that out now with with uh, with the church manor house, where uh, my wife and I are becoming members of as we work working along with Pastor Mark to... Be able to uh, to, to demonstrate uh, the power of partnership between marketplace guy and a, a pastor and a market and a business and a pulpit pastor. Uh, Chuck uh, serves many entrepreneurs not only in Cincinnati but around the nation. He's a sought-after speaker. He's always a hit at Nehemiah Week, uh, and that's why we invited him back this year. Uh, he's going to be with us through a panel discussion. We're going to be really dealing with this question about thriving in creating an economic engine. Um by the way, you will have Chuck back later because we are we are organizing in partnership with our on purpose a marketplace he just found out today by the way. Well, we've been working on it for years, but he just found out today that we've locked things in. <laughs> and being the flexible Chuck, he said is whatever you need. Uh I hope he don't have a conflict on that day. But <laughs> yes, um <we> do. <laughs> <laughs> But um, in January, uh, myself, Chuck Prophet, God willing, uh, Peter Lowe, uh, Pastor Mark, and others, we're gonna be getting together in Tampa for our first, the first uh, Nehemiah, we've done some light version of it, the first historic Nehemiah Marketplace pastor. And the idea for us is to bring the best of marketplace to pastors and equip pastors to be able to create viable, sustainable churches, right? As the entity. and while or or endo, I like you know Chuck like to say endo, right? He got that 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 Harvard University. By the way, what I didn't say is that Chuck Rob is also a graduate of Harvard University. Uh, we'll forgive him for that. But he's also a an an example that Harvard doesn't always do bad. I mean, he one of our own right here, who have come out of Harvard and have been used for the kingdom. He's also an ex executive with uh, I think is it Kellogg, a uh, Procter Gamble. Uh, He used to be Procter and Gamble. So he's he's been trained by Pharaoh for the purpose of taking the children of Israel out of Egypt. Is is that well said? The best of Pharaoh's world, Procter and Gamble and Harvard University. And I guess
1: to extend your metaphor to the promised land via the desert.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And Pastor and his wife also have adopted a beautiful. Uh, do you still say adopted? I mean, it's your child now. Is that is that is that okay? <laughs> oh, sure. Two okay. children
1: adopted as infants from Korea.
0: That's right. They've adopted, uh, and that is an awesome thing, Chuck. Well, Chuck, welcome to the podcast. You know, Thanks. you know, Stranger to the Email Project. We thank you, man, for your long friend. I personally thank you for your friendship. Uh, your friendship to me has been unconditional um you you i mean just whatever i've needed you've always there for us always a cheerleader calling a time just encouraging you know chuck you, you know as i do that sometimes it gets lonely
1: very lonely. <laughs>
0: sometimes you look back you wish you wonder is anybody following me and uh and sometimes you say oh my lord what if it doesn't work right and and so having a, sometimes a call from a colleague is definitely encouraging to say, hey, man, Petrus, I'm seeing what you're doing. Keep it up, man. Thank you, Chuck, again for your, your friendship and welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here and I will always
0: be your cheerleader. I appreciate it, my friend. Chuck, I said a lot about you. You're here because you're gonna be at Nehemiah Week. We're gonna talk about it. By the way, if you've not yet registered for Nehemiah Week, please do so. There's a link, somebody put a link up there. Uh, register for Nehemiah Week. Uh, register at uh, go to nehemiahecommunity.com and Right to the email. Week. We, there's still seat available. We'll, it's, a, it's, a, it's a virtual conference, August the 9th through the 14th. Uh, t- this year's theme is Thriving Through Crisis. Thriving through. You're not going to stop it. You're going to go through it, right? And you're going to get to the promised land. So Chuck, um, you know, I've said a, a few things about you, but, you know, g- give a sense to our, and in, in everything I share was kind of giving a backdrop of where you come from, but tell them kind of, What's happening today with Chuck Prophet and At Work On Purpose? Give our listeners and viewers the the update, the latest update on what's happening with you and At Work On Purpose. Sure. For
1: the listeners, At Work On Purpose is what we've come to call a citywide workplace ministry. Almost every city has workplace ministries in it. What's different with a citywide workplace ministry is it's a community of individual working Christians and workplace ministry initiatives that have built a network that's founded on collaborative relationships and really has a view for the whole city. For At Work On Purpose, this is an exciting season for us. I had a friend years ago, Patrice, who said to me, always remember, Chuck, that you need to nail it before you scale it. And and there's so much truth in that. We're at a point where we have nailed a lot of the details in Cincinnati for this kind of model. And we're working with a number of different cities in the U.S. and overseas to help them develop citywide workplace ministry communities of their own. I love doing that. God moves through it in unique ways in every single city. So that's where we are at the moment, we're growing.
0: I love it, I love it. Chuck, what I appreciate, Nehemiah has a very proprietary model, you know, (laughs) I would say he's like the Bill Gates of Marketplace. We are, we're like the, the the Steve Jobs. We're proprietary. <laughs> very inward.
1: proprietary code and we're open source.
0: That's right. So <laughs> I've always admired that. And, you know, your proprietary nature. Let me tell you what I mean by that. And and this is to be admired. Um, so, you know, our model is very fee-based driven, right? I mean, from all the way through. And, and our scaling model is very... Again, uh, you know, it's a very pay to play model for lack of a better word. Uh, Because of the calling God has for us, you know, uh, listen, everybody has his own call, don't judge me. You know, Chuck doesn't judge me, right? So so, so our calling because we are called to really deal with entrepreneurship at its core and wealth creation and teaching the body about this whole idea. So our process uh, by some can be viewed as, you know, a very, very, uh, it's very tied to monetization, right? But what, we, what I call redemptive monetization. What's also about your model it, it's very open-handed, and um, and it, you're really trying to, I mean, literally, Chuck, you, you're blessing cities. When I grow, I want to be like, Chuck, you know, you're blessing cities and you're partnering with groups, and when you do things for us, you just say, Patrice, I want to help, how you can use me. Let's talk about that a little bit because I think most people who know you, I don't think understand that uh, that your model, and, 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 and I've never seen you, you know, you don't even raise up money openly. We, we raise money openly, lots of it, right? Uh, so tell me about that, the Chuck philosophy, if you will. You know, you're a saint, my friend. Uh, You know, what made you take that approach, and and how's that working for you? Is obviously working well.
1: I think if I look back on it historically, Patrice, every leader when you start an entrepreneurial venture or a not-for-profit organization, which is what At Work on Purpose is, you develop DNA early on. It's not just about a business model that becomes financially viable and you can grow it or a ministry model that can sustain itself. It's about how you sustain yourself, how you grow. And that's DNA stuff. One of the pieces of DNA for us early on was how we would fund our ongoing development. And as a guy, you mentioned earlier that I have a consulting firm called SkillSource, which is my tent making, as you said. From, for a guy like me coming from the marketplace accustomed to generating revenue and then walking into a 501c3 not-for-profit organization where the standard model is to go ask for donations or have capital campaigns. And that's not that there's anything wrong with that. But in my heart, as the leader founding At Work On Purpose, it felt odd to me for a marketplace ministry to be going out to people in the marketplace that are generating revenues and asking them for donations. As a result, early on, we made a decision that we would figure out how to create economic engines, which, of course, Patrice, you and I are talking about today in this podcast, economic engines that would fund the ministry on a sustaining basis. In the earliest days, that economic engine was the consulting firm. That I continue to lead to this day. So we took the profit dollars from that consultancy and used that as the original budget for At Work on Purpose. And that went on for, I'd say, five or six years, our earliest years as we were just getting off the ground. Now, as it grew, it was clear that our needs were going to expand with it so we were trying to figure out an economic engine that wouldn't be giving money into at work on purpose but for at work on purpose to have an economic engine that was generating revenue out into the marketplace. For us, that ended up being a version of what some might call faith-based executive roundtables. Now, we think of these and call them collaborative laboratories or collaboratories, but people pay a tuition to participate in these discipleship groups, and that has been a significant funding engine for us. The last quick thing I'd add, Patrice, is that as a ministry, we've had to wrestle through this question of donations and, and where do they fit. The operating decision that we made is we will pursue fundraising, capital campaigns, donations for seed capital that will then be invested in initiatives that can become self-sustaining on their own.
0: I love it. And Peter, you're right. God is the first entrepreneur. So any ongoing donation you have for Adwork on Purpose, send it to the My Project. They don't take any ongoing. No, I'm just joking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or send it to us to seed capital, and we'll multiply the return for you.
0: That's right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it, Chuck. I love that model. And and I bring this up because of the very topic we're about to talk today. Before I get, we get into br- uh, talking about this whole idea of thriving in Korean economic engine. Again, I'm talking to Chuck Prophet, the founder and CEO of Adwork on Purpose, author of the book, um, (laughs) the business tree, tree, and as well as founding president of skills source, he leads a national uh, marketplace city movement in Cincinnati, now doing work around the nation and the parts of the world. So you've done this very thing with your local church uh, where you and your pastor partner, you guys created a business tree in that, that has, Follow the same model of creating an economic engine. Tell us a bit about that and the kind of impact that has made for the church and and in the and the community and the and the minister community that it serves.
1: Thankfully, God placed me with an entrepreneurial pastor in a young church that was essentially in entrepreneurial language in startup mode. One day, he was aware of how At Work on Purpose was being funded through an economic engine and entrepreneurial venture, and I was sharing with him how well it was working in our early years, and we were walking across the campus of this local church. It's located north of Cincinnati, Ohio, in a World War II-era tool-and-die remanufacturing plant that was eventually abandoned, and we've essentially rehabbed. The entire facility, about seven acres of land, about 80,000 square feet under roof with a variety of different buildings and lots of parking space. He and I, the pastor and I, Jeff Greer at Grace Chapel, we were walking the campus one day and just dreaming together. We said, What would it look like if we were able to take all of this space that right now is completely dormant and run down and we were to renovate it with a vision for blessing the community? with entrepreneurial ventures that would operate through the week. They would minister through products and services. They would generate revenue that could create jobs and would contribute to the tax base of the surrounding community. And they would be a great entryway for our local church congregation to understand the idea that work is worship. Anything that isn't sinful is sacred. Faith at work is practical and it's alive on this church campus filled with entrepreneurial ventures, which we came to call business trees. Those were our earliest days. Now today, we have over two dozen of these enterprises that are up and running. We generate over $200,000 a year in profit that we're able to release for ministry causes that do not easily fund themselves. And as a local church, we've established a BHAG, a big holy audacious goal, that a day will come when 100% of the operating costs of the church are covered by the profits of those enterprises. Right now, we're at about 20% of that goal, and it's growing every year.
0: I love it. Again, Chuck will be a speaker this year at Nehemiah Week. We're going to uh, do a panel discussion to really get more into this. And and this is, again, just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, what we want to do with this podcast provide a backdrop, sort of that way because of the, the, uh, the, um, the, uh, the near my week, uh, will not provide ample time to get into it. But Chuck will also be a speaker at our first marketplace conference in Tampa, Florida, where we're going to be really dealing with this with pastors and bringing people like Chuck and others to provide prototype. Peter Lowe will be with us. Those of you guys who heard of Get Motivated seminars, Pastor Mark Esty will be with us with, with uh, Manor House and, um, and others. It's going to be awesome, 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 because what it look like, if churches around the nation, around the world, and by the way, Chuck, we also have a market pastor plan for Kenya where we're gonna bring pastors together and do the same thing. Because what Nehemiah has now done, we have a strong B2C framework. That was our challenge. That's what's taken us a long time because we kind of started with the church, as you know, and we almost went bankrupt. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> it's a challenging environment for an economic
0: it is a Challenging environment. <laughs> the church. You know you guys don't get mad at this statement, but the church ha- has a unique skill of devaluing everything <laughs> <laughs> I think <it's> a gift <laughs> so so we so we so we got bruises to to prove it, and then we reorganize ourselves to a very clear b to c model right that will that will allow us to be viable till Jesus comes. And then now I think we're ready to take on the church again. <laughs> Amen. In a way, we can serve it unconditionally, even if it bruises us. How does that sound?
1: <laughs> I, I I literally empathize. I don't just sympathize because I've lived through it too. And you know, Patrice, just very quickly, what I've found over the years as a practitioner on the ground with this, part of why it's so hard is that in order to successfully cultivate entrepreneurship in and through local churches you have to do a lot more than just create economic engines with successful business startups. That's one of three things. It's like three legs on a stool. The second one is you have to have a congregation that's embracing of the idea of faith at work and the idea that entrepreneurship could be a spiritual endeavor. So the congregation will really rally around these fledgling efforts. And the third thing is that the local church leadership has to embrace faith at work and entrepreneurial work like this as a pillar, a central ministry dimension of that local church. If any one of those three things is missing, that stool will teeter and fall over.
0: Well said, my friend. And you will love Pastor Mark Esteen. He gets that and he, does him all the way. And, and now that we have a pastor of a mega church who doesn't have to do this, uh, who is said, Patrice I want my legacy to be that I help move the dial in 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 bringing the church more closer to the marketplace and bringing the marketplace more closer to the church you know he challenged me with with this chunk. he said Patrice I met with um, with with um, focus on the family uh, our good friend Dr. J- James Dobson uh, a few years before he retired. And he said, the, he asked Dobson, "What's what's the one regret that you have?" And he said, "I did not work closer with the local church." Yes. And essentially, by saying, "But just don't let that be your legacy." So we're going back home, Chuck, and I'm, bring, I'm bringing you with me, so we can we can we can rise or fall together, my friend. Misery does like company.
1: Partners in crime. I I vote that we rise. Rather
0: <laughs> Amen. Than- Amen. Hey, if you've not yet registered Nehemiah Week, register right now so you can be with myself and Chuck Prophet in two weeks from now. Chuck, um, let's talk a bit about your why, what uh, about Nehemiah that has excited you over the years. You have been uh, among many of my marketplace colleagues. You've been the one who has just been so sincerely on condition with us and cheered us on. Uh, come to many of our at your own cost and whatever is needed, you've always been there. So what is it about Nehemiah that have led you over the years to, to be so committed to our mission?
1: Wow, I, I'm paused because there's so much I could say there that I treasure about Nehemiah Project, about you as a leader, about the staff and the, the colleagues that you have truly brought together over the years. I guess I would boil it down to a few things that for me are are, their qualities of the ministry that I think are exceptional. The first one is that in the DNA of Nehemiah Project is this heart for entrepreneurship being accessible to everyone. It's not just about, uh, hey, if you've got enough money and you can get your seed capital or your equity funding right out of the gate, then then you can move forward and you've got your first or second stage funding and then you build your business venture and you, you, know, you get rich and all that. From the very beginning, your heart, I believe, has been in line with God's, that this is an amazing way to pr- create redemptive work in the world. That spirit, of harnessing entrepreneurship for the flourishing of the world is just so central to Nehemiah Project. And it's evident in the way that we create accessibility for the programming that we have, the, the people who can participate. I have just admired for years the way that you have worked so hard to open doors. Honestly, Patrice, you could pr- if, if you had wanted to, and I'm glad you didn't, you probably could have just gone off on your own with a lot less complexity and made a lot of money being an entrepreneur and just donated it.
0: Honestly. That is, that is an easy path.
1: Yeah. Too. And, and, and you, chose, you chose the path less travel. You chose the steeper hill to climb. And I've always loved that about you. That's the first reason. The second thing that I love about Nehemiah Project is it is a global community. And I'm using both of those words separately and together. From the beginning, you've had a global view of the value of entrepreneurship and improving quality of life for the world. And you have done it in relationship. So every year, except a COVID year, where you selflessly travel to all these different places to, to and others as well, to make sure that you're on the ground in the places where those entrepreneurs live and work and where those new entrepreneurial ventures are being fostered. That quality is so precious. And I've seen some of that myself as I traveled with you, for example, to Nairobi, Kenya. And I remember one trip. You may not remember this, but when you came to Cincinnati, when I invited you here for some training, and I remember driving you to a training session and you just fell asleep in my car. You were were exhausted. And I thought this guy leaves it all on the field because you value global community and you spend yourself for that. So that's the second thing I treasure. The third thing is the quality of the content. You've worked really hard over the years, not just to build out the curriculum, but to refine it and the the stages, however it's called today, but the principles and the practices and the plan and and ultimately the, the progress right, that an entrepreneur can make as they walk through the BE program. I I think it's exceptional content. We've used it here extensively in Cincinnati. And as you know, Patrice, we've adapted it into the way that we coach entrepreneurs versus just training classes. But that's one more hallmark of the content itself. It's adaptable to different contexts and applications.
0: Wow, I feel like I was dead and you were giving my eulogy. Brother, thank you so much, man. So, friend, if I'm if I go home tomorrow, play this tape. <laughs> thank you. That means a lot to me, Chuck. Sonya mm-hmm. Uh, she said, yes, true. I'm not sure which part of the true it is, but Sonya, I do agree with you. She says my assignment all the wrongly named Church Source Global, but God is showing me how to pivot. Skills Source Church for Global, uh, partners in crime. She likes that. Good to have you here, Sonya. Sonya, make sure you register for Nehemiah Week so that we can continue this conversation there. So if you wanna know more about Chuck Prophet, um, Chuck has a website, um, let's put, uh, there it is, adworkonpurpose.org, adworkonpurpose.org. He also has a book, Business Tree, that can be found on Amazon, and I'm sure on his website as well. You can go there to learn more. So Chuck, let's talk about uh, this talk on th- thriving and creating e- an economic engine. So Chuck, first of all, how do you define an economic engine? They've kind of heard it in what everything you've shared, but Harvard professor, give us a working definition of economic engine.
1: In simple terms, it's like an engine in a car that you can count on it every day when you press the start button or you turn the key that the engine turns on, assuming you've got gas or electric and you can zoom off to your destination. You know, we often don't think about it day to day, but if you walked into your garage one day and you got in your car and unbeknownst to you, the engine had been stolen the night before, you wouldn't be going anywhere. Economic engines are not glamorous. They're under the hood. They're often invisible. They aren't part of the sexy sheet metal, but without them, there is no sustainable growth. You won't get to your destination. That's what an economic engine is.
0: As you share it, I'm just thinking about the poor entrepreneurs They don't like economic and I mean, they they like what it produced, the yield of it, right? Because most entrepreneur artists, you just described the work of an engineer, Chuck. I'm like, Lord, I, I, (laughs) I started this business because- I like to dance. I like to cook. I like to speak. I like to sew. I like to cut grass. Absolutely. I like to mix stuff. Now you want me to be an engineer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I totally get that. You know, I was... um in California last week, and I got an opportunity to go to a car show, and it was it was really fun because cars don't rust in California. So they had new ones and old ones, and they're all of these amazing classic cars. And one of my favorites as a kid growing up was a Ferrari Testerosa. and there was one on the lot. It was gorgeous with with these uh, slits on the side, this beautiful sheet metal in mint condition. I was ad- admiring everything about the front of it. And then later in the day, a tow truck shows up and they had to they had to tow the Testarossa (laughs) because the engine wasn't working. (laughs) And this is the dilemma for the entrepreneur, right? Because what we celebrate and what we labor on is the beautiful sheet metal. And believe me, I love it, too. The thing is, if what's under the hood doesn't work, your sheet metal isn't going to go anywhere.
0: Wow, well said. I love it. You know, in my new book, um, Biblical Entrepreneur Essentials, you know, I talk about this multi dimension of the entrepreneur. You know, the artist, the scientist, and 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 also the spirit, and the fact they all have to kind of for the kingdom of entrepreneur that is they are, It has to really blend together real well right to really make it work. And and Chuck, I love that definition of economic engine. So now let's, let's move now to this idea of thriving and creating it because I think one of the challenges for us as entrepreneurs is that even when we get what you just described, we like, will we ever enjoy this thing we're creating? Because Chuck, I started my business because I want to be my own boss and I want the joy and the fulfillment that my job doesn't give me. I left because I was making widget. <laughs> so tell me a bit about, you know, how to, how to ensure that as I create that economic engine that I'm able to thrive with it. What are some things that are essential in me in that process?
1: Yeah, I, I so relate to this dilemma. Years ago, I read a wonderful book called The E-Myth. By Michael Gerber, which touches on this theme. Let's say that you're somebody who loves golf. I mean, you just, you are so passionate about that game. And so you decide because you love that, that you're going to start a golf shop. And all of a sudden, your days are consumed with unhappy customers and suppliers that are late on their deliveries and your landlord who's charging you too much rent. And the golf stuff seems like a distant memory. It's almost like you're trapped inside your own dream until it becomes a nightmare.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: Yeah. And so I, I, first of all, I, in a heart level, I just completely relate to what you're saying. It's this tension an entrepreneur feels between the passion we have for a certain area of work and the logistical realities of running a business that serves in that industry. And, and like a coin with two sides, you've got to have both in order to be sustainably successful. If I were to offer advice to an entrepreneur who's trying to be that person working on both, I would say that on the side of the coin that's all about building the engine, there are five S's, and I learned this years ago in an internship while I was at Harvard University, is doing some early consulting work, and these uh, these are five areas of focus as you're sort of building out a framework for a business model that. Are obvious, but but they often get overlooked. You know, so it's it's like Stephen Covey used to say. You know, the problem with common sense is it's not very common <laughs> because we don't live it out. The uh, not in any order of priority. The the first S is strategy. Uh, you need to know where you're going, what you do first and what you do second, priorities, how you uh, make strategic decisions. Otherwise, you could be just going back and forth without any sense of clear, sustained direction. Structure. How are you going to organize the way that the business works? And we often think about org charts and stuff like that, but this is the world of reporting relationships and and who's responsible for what areas of work and how different departments or functions are established in an organization. Staffing is a third one. Who are the right people to come alongside the enterprise that we want to build? Any entrepreneur will tell you that it's a team sport. Although entrepreneurs love to go it on their own, there's no way that you can sustainably grow, especially scale an entrepreneurial venture unless you have a team. So you, you've got to have the kind of staff people around you in some form. Now, that doesn't mean employees. It could be contractors, even, even volunteers, right? But it's got to be the right cast and crew. You need to have the right systems, what what is the workflow? What is the process by which things get done? How do you know what a standard operating procedure really is? And then last but not least is standards. What's good enough? What is excellence? Uh, what is the differentiating quality that you make sure you deliver to the marketplace every time with your product and your service? So those five S's, strategy, structure, staffing, systems, and standards are a great way to organize effort when it comes to the side of the coin that's all about what's under the hood, the economic engine. Let me pause there for a second. Patrice, you tracking with me before I go to the other side of the coin?
0: Oh, my Lord. This is just good. I am. Guys, you got to come to NMI. This is some good stuff. As a matter of fact, can we charge for this after the fact? Can we like yeah. send an invoice to everybody watching and listening? <laughs> Do
1: I get a finder's fee?
0: Maybe, yeah. <laughs> let's monetize this thing and send check some royalty. I love it. So you talked about the what's under the hood. Now let's talk about what's around the hood or the other side of the coin.
1: The The part, of course, that attracts us the most is what's visible on the outside in the marketplace. You know, that that Ferrari Testarossa, the sheet metal that's going down the road, what everybody wants to admire and look at. I. I think this is the area of imagination uh, where it meets initiative for the entrepreneur. What it looks like to dream about something in the world that you can do better, that you can maybe change the way that an industry works. I think about entrepreneurs like uh, like Elon Musk and the work with Tesla, and trying to drive an entire industry, the auto industry, into electric and out of fossil fuels. You know that that is a great example of something that is bigger even than just one entrepreneurial venture. The big why is how you're making the industry better or how you're making the marketplace better or how you're making the world better. This is about vision, imagination, inspiration, and to be able to understand that, to see it, and then to share it. It's one of the precious qualities of an entrepreneur to be able to see what other people miss. I have observed, though, that not enough entrepreneurs are good enough at translating what they see into what they share to be able to explain the vision that you see to people on the ground in a way where they can understand it and embrace it. And this is the world of what's in it for me. How do you translate your visionary idea into practical terms that a marketplace gets excited about? People want to line up for your product or your service.
0: (laughs) This is good stuff. I think this is the air of imagination. That's a good quote, there, team. Chuck, you, you so you guys kind of see why I hang with Chuck. They say if you want to get ahead, hang around smart people. This guy is smart. Chuck, Harvard didn't produce a dummy, and 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 uh, Proctor did not hire a dummy. Your parents did not raise a dummy. Uh, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords did not. Bring them into the kingdom, and you are a gift, my friend. Listen, this is Chuck Prophet, he's going to be with us at Nehemiah Week, and also next year in January, he'll be with us in Temple florida as we begin a prophecy. It's only been what five years you have been talking about this.
1: That's right, we've been working on this economic engine and I
0: know. sheet
1: metal for a long
0: time. <laughs> for a long time, <laughs> and so we're going to have the first marketplace pass. If you're a pastor watching or listening, just reach out to our office. And say, hey, I want to be on the list uh, for the Marketplace Pastors Conference, where Chuck will be speaker. We are going to bring Chuck back to talk about that event more specifically. Uh, Chuck, as we prepare to wrap up, again, if you want to know about Chuck Prophet, go to iWorkOnPurpose.org. Uh, there you can learn about him. His book, Business Tree, is also available on Amazon. Um, and you can also learn about how to connect with what he's doing at in um in Cincinnati. Many of our people have gone to Cincinnati to tour his facility. Uh, as a matter of fact, is the city giving you some, uh, uh, because you're becoming a tourist attraction over there, Chuck. You've, you've, <laughs> you've helped the city. Uh, so that's been neat. So, so Chuck, as we prepare to wrap up here, I want you to, and, and and I hate to ask you this because you give us such great advice, but 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 what I want to ask you is the last 18 months, has been tough for entrepreneurs right Speaking yeah. of thriving through crisis they face a global crisis a global pandemic that which has led to an economic crisis which has led to a health crisis mental crisis uh, spiritual crisis that churches ch- who've shut down the yeah. church the church had to completely reimagine uh there's some industry that' just out of the door. I was talking to one of our investors. He talked about some of his clients who just had to shut their doors. So, a lot of hurt out there. But at the same time, there have been a lot of thriving. Uh, you've experienced it, we've experienced it, many others have experienced it. So, I want to give you some advice for, uh, for entrepreneurs watching and listening. You know, if, if they're facing a crisis right now, and by the way, when we say crisis, we're talking about more than just pandemic. You know, many of you guys may be facing health crisis. You may be facing, you know, uh, social crisis. I mean, in our nation, we have a nation divided, Chuck. We yeah. have a, 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 Washington have divided us. We, we have a political and a social crisis. According to the media, you and I, black and white, should not be talking like this. As a matter of fact, I should be hating you. You should, and plus you're a white male. You you, should, you know, nice. you and I should not be having this conversation uh, because we both should be woke, my friend. And, you know, so. So, um, so so, so, give us some last advice. But before you do, um, I want to make sure that if you're watching and listening, you say, "We." I want to know more about the Nehemiah Project. Uh, go to our website, nehemiahecommunity.com, nehemiahecommunity.com. There you can learn about our training program, Biblical Entrepreneurship, Server Love, Identity and Destiny, and many more. That can help you wherever your business is, whatever stage you are in to equip you in building a kingdom, a sustainable kingdom enterprise. Uh, you can also learn about our coaching program. Uh, we have great experienced coaches that can come alongside you through a group coaching platform or one-on-one uh, to coach you through in taking your business from one stage to the other. We also have an access to capital program, where if you need capital to grow your business, you've been to our training program, you've been coached, uh, we will work with you and uh, provide you direct finance through our fund or connect with our investors or just help you to know how to be capitalized wherever you are. So And then also you can learn how to become a part of our community. I'm just talking to an entrepreneur today. Uh, she, uh, does, um, she helps authors to be able to sell more books. And I said, how's it going? She wasn't expecting the question. She just began to get really emotional. And she talked about how difficult it's been. And then I said to her, tell me about your business model. How much do you charge? She explained it to me. I said, i tell you what. I'm going to send you a link. Why don't you join our community, and I'm going to be your next client? Because I have a book, and I want to sell more of it. I said, and if you do well with me, I will sing your praises through our community. And then every author that we publish, because we have a publishing entity, we will use you to do what you do. Uh, you, you would have thought I gave her a million dollars. That's what community is all about right it's about an ecosystem that where we look out for each other where we do business together where we collaborate not only to strengthen each other uh but to expand the kingdom of god on earth i mean chuck when you when we go back to kenya um you're going to be amazed kenya is now our our most viable prototype of a viable community you were there with me you helped plant the seed one of the guys who was not in this conference when we were there, but he heard us on the radio. A few years later, he left his job, took severance, and used that money to invest in biblical entrepreneurship, build a business plan for farming business. I'm talking about Frank Tanga, And he went back and then he came for the business plan, I think one third or second place at the International Business for his farming business. But he used the proceeds that he won for the business plan competition. He used that money to buy a license, to restart, to to relaunch Nehemiah Project BE in Kenya. Today, less than four years later, he has the most profitable e-community center in our system, second only to Central Florida, I believe. Awesome. Uh, Incredible, incredible story. He has a growing community of entrepreneurs in Kenya, last year they won first place at the International Business Company Nina Nina Motegi. Um, and then this year they have a great contender. Uh, they'll become they won the Africa competition this year, and we see what we'll see what's going to happen. So the power of community. So Kenya has been able to create an ecosystem. You're going to be so proud of them when we go down, my friend. You're going to see the fruit of the investment you made years ago by going with me in Kenya. Um, to plant a seed there. Now, uh, guys, come to Nehemiah Week, register and be a part. You're going to experience on Monday, we're going to have the Kingdom Business Tour. We're going to take you to five continents of the world where you're going to see showcases of kingdom companies with economic engine and how they're making an impact. We're going to do Asia, Africa, Europe, Latin America, North America. and and then we and, and, uh, yeah, And then we're going to on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we're gonna have the conference. We'll have you like Chuck Profit, where they're gonna talk about the importance and how you thrive in, in, uh, through crisis. We're gonna share with you what we call the GPS for navigating through crisis, right? The global positioning system on how to navigate through any crisis, whether it's a storm, whether it's a broken bridge, whether it's a tornado, whether it's, a, it's, it's an earthquake, What what is turbulent, whatever it is, we're going to give you tools on how to navigate through it. And then on Thursday, we'll have an investors forum. You guys will get a chance to hear some of our entrepreneurs make pitches in front of real life investors and also hear updates from those who've invested in and how they're doing. So you can glean and learn from how they're investing, they're using investment dollars. And then on Friday, we'll have our international business plan competition. Will Kenya win again this year? I don't know. They want to, they have a great contender. But they have to get past Bulgaria and they have to get past Malaysia and they have to get past uh, the United States of America. So who will win the international business plan competition this year? By the way, Chuck, next year we're doubling the prize money. Next year is going to be $10,000 instead of five. And then we're going to introduce a digital competition. So now entrepreneurs next year can win up to $20,000. Our goal is to get to $100,000. Christ money. This is free money for them to invest in their business and do what God is to do. And then on Saturday, we're going to have our, our state of the ministry impact, where you all get a chance to hear the impact that God is making around the world. So register and be a part. There are some free events as well. If you're if you're cheap or 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 just money tight, <laughs> whichever it is, uh, you can come to the free event. That's on Friday and Saturday, and you can experience some of the new week. So, Chuck, since I've just done that commercial, so what advice would you give entrepreneurs? um, You know, the last 18 months has been tough. How do they thrive going forward, given the current reality?
1: The closing thought I'd offer is that sort of continuum or range between surviving and thriving. And... The last year and a half has pressed us so hard. And as you said earlier, it hasn't just been about health anxiety. It's been economic disruption, uh, social unrest, political polarization, all of these forces from the outside, not to mention the pressures that are ongoing from the inside. And if you're an entrepreneur, you're in a leadership role and those pressures are coming at you, in other words, from every direction. So when you're trying to move the needle from surviving to thriving, in the context of the last year and a half, the insight I would offer is the difference between pivoting and pioneering. We we all did a lot of pivoting last year. In fact, that word became very popular. Everybody's talking pivot, pivot, pivot. And I agree with that. It's necessary, but not sufficient. The thing about pivoting is that it's reactive whereas pioneering is proactive. What typically happens with pivoting is that we're dealing with a short-term solution that can meet immediate needs and uh, address immediate pressures, but pioneering is more about long-term. And this is why I'm trying to draw a contrast because it's been my experience that the last year and a half has led so many of us into a pivot mindset which tends to be more reactive and more short-term. I believe as entrepreneurs, we have to have a parallel track that's always running in our heads, regardless of external conditions, that is proactive and is long-term. I would challenge all of the listeners today to ponder that question. To what extent right now in your leadership with your entrepreneurial venture, are you being proactive, and long-term in the way that you envision and then pursue the future.
0: I love it. Pivot versus pioneering. Chuck, thank you so much, my friend, for coming. Looking forward to seeing you at Nehemiah Week and God willing in January in Tampa, Florida. And then we're gonna to get together the Nehemiah Week and catch up on all the things that we need to catch up on so that we can we can be ready. If you want to know more about Chuck Prophet, go to his website, um, at workonpurpose.org. Uh, if you want to sign up for Nehemiah Week, go to nehemiahecommunity.com and just press that link right there and you'll be there. I look forward to seeing you guys. Before I let you go, though, let me pray for you because we always like to pray for our listeners and viewers. As a matter of fact, Chuck, you have an anointing of grace today. There's just economic engines flowing throughout you. Why don't you pray for our listeners and, and viewers so that the, the, the anointing is upon you uh, that on the spirit of of economic engine can just flow through the airways and help them and validate and solidify what God is doing in their heart. Could you pray for our people, Chuck?
1: Absolutely. Father, thank you so much for the blessing of addressing this community today, which is so special, as I've mentioned, because it's global and it's entrepreneurial and it's relational. Lord, we've used this metaphor today of the automobile where you can have the outside, the sexy sheet metal, but the economic engine is what's under the hood. It's what drives the vehicle and gets the entrepreneur to a destination. Lord, I pray for all of the entrepreneurs here today that are wrestling between the outside and the inside, what's outside of the hood and what's under the hood, that you could help them to see the whole that as entrepreneurs, they have to be both and. They have to be both about the vision and execution out in the marketplace, and they have to be about the execution and the attention to detail on the inside. Father, I pray that where there are things in those engines that are broken, that you would give supernatural insight Mm -hmm. to be able to see them sooner and fix them faster. Father, if we have the outside of a vehicle which is the sheet metal, and we've got the engine, which is under the hood, we also have the gas. And that fuel is the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be pregnant with possibilities in the hearts and the minds of the entrepreneurs listening today. That the Holy Spirit would not just be quiet counsel, but also strong advocacy for new ways to minister to the world and redeem the brokenness and fallenness around us through entrepreneurial ventures that truly can change the world. We lift up these prayers in Jesus' name,
0: amen. Amen, hallelujah, we receive it. Chuck, thank you so much, God bless you. See you guys next time, thank you all. Thank you.